Amen, amen. Um, tonight we're in Proverbs chapter 28. We're coming toward the end of Proverbs. And um, before we get out of October, we're going to cover the last chapter, Lord willing, um, which um, really brings women into um, the rightful place that God intends for women to be. Um, it was really a prophetic word, I believe, through uh, Solomon that he elevated women, in this particular case in Proverbs 31, mothers to a place of distinction and honor. That was not the norm during that period of time and for most of history. It has not been the norm. But Christianity has done more for women in our world than any other thing. Though no other religion uh, elevates women to the place that God's Word does. So we're equal in Christ. Thank God for that. All right. <clears throat> Got a little congestion going on. So Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. The wicked flee when no one pursues. Why? Because there's that guilty conscience, there's that uh, fear of being caught, and uh, the wickedness that lies within a man or a woman without Christ causes them to be anxious. And uh, so it says, the wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a what? A lion. The righteous are bold as a lamb or a lion. And uh, for you and I, this boldness, I want to challenge you. You and I in Christ can be bold. We're not to be uh, run over anybody, of course. We're not to be a bully at all. But in Christ, we are to stand up and be bold, bold against sin, bold against uh, the forces of darkness. A lady and her two sons, she doesn't attend church here, but they come to school here. They were leaving today when I was leaving, and she said, Pastor, please pray for our family. My husband is uh, having an affair and has left the home, and, and immediately, of course, I, I, I focus on those two boys and the devastation this must be causing them. And she said a few other things, and she said again, pray for us. And as I spoke to her, I said, listen, you have got to rise up and take authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, as I, even as I spoke that word to her, uh, all the emotion of seeing those boys that their dad is doing this and the trauma emotionally, mentally, they're going through, plus the mother and, so, and the wife. So it was like, it was almost like, dear God, have mercy. Don't you hate the devil? I mean, thank God for believers who will rise up in boldness and fight the enemy. We don't fight one another, but we fight against the darkness, spiritual forces in high places. And you and I, thank God, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. The wicked flee. The wicked person moves kiddishly. Even when no one is out to get him, uh, his sins will find him out. Boy, um, that takes me way back to college days. And um, how many of you remember when Florida passed a law that you had to get your car inspected 
every year. Does anybody remember that idiocy? All right, so anyway, they meant well. They had good intentions, but you had to line up at these special inspection stations and you had to get your lights checked, your tires checked. I don't know what else they were checking. They wanted to make sure you were safe on the road. And uh, thank God, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe eight, ten years, but thank God finally they came to their senses and realized they needed to get rid of that. Very expensive. And uh, I had a car. It was a 68 Camaro, and it had some mileage on it, and my tires were in bad, bad shape. I was a college kid. I didn't have much money, um, and I certainly didn't have money to buy new tires. And so they were very uh, threadbare, and uh, I didn't want to go. I knew what they would say. They wouldn't pass it. And so I had a, a sticker there, but it was expired. And I remember everywhere I drove, it was like I was looking for cops. I was just looking for because I felt guilty. I knew that I was supposed to get the ticket or sticker changed, but I didn't have the money. And so I thought if they see my sticker, they'll pull me over and ticket me, and then I won't have money to pay that either. And so I just chose to flee, all right, from the cops. And there were times that, I mean, literally driving there for a while was a terrible experience because there were times I'd see a cop coming and turn and go down a side road, all right? Uh, I don't know um, if my son has inherited that. My God, have mercy. Some time ago, he told me, Dad, I was driving, and I saw in my rearview mirror this cop coming, and I knew he was after me, so I cut him to a neighborhood. And uh, I had this, uh, I had this Waze app, and so uh, people were letting me know where he was. And so I cut through the neighborhood, and I decided to go down through this gully the back way because he was at the entrance. I'm like, oh my God, have mercy, my sins have come back upon me, and uh, I am reaping what I sowed. Now my son is running from the cops, but it was a wonderful day when. Someone bought me tires, and I got that sticker, and I didn't have to run from the cops anymore. Guilt is a terrible thing um, to feel guilty. Adam and Eve knew that. When they sinned, what did they do? The Lord was in the habit of coming and communing with them on a regular basis, and so the Lord comes, and they're not there. They fled from the presence of God. Think about it. Here was God who literally came and walked among them, talking to them. What an incredible experience to be Adam and Eve. But now they've sinned. And he calls out, where are you? He knew where they were. They had fled because of guilt and the shame that came upon their life. God help us to not walk in the ways of unrighteousness, but choose to walk in the ways of righteousness. Verse 2, because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. And uh, the scene shifts from 
verse 1 from personal of what sin does to an individual by making them skittish. It changes to the political scene of a nation. Hosea, the prophet, documents such a period of time in the life of the northern kingdom of Israel where there were six kings with reigns that lasted two years or less. The study of the kings in the Old Testament is a fascinating study. And uh, as I've looked at it over and over and over through the years, I'm forever amazed that one king would come to power and he would rule right, uh, righteously and God would expand his years. Another one would come to power and it would be short-lived and cut off and as a result of sin and the nation transgression, transgressing. The king would lead the nation either to God or away from God. Leadership will always, parents, leadership is going to lead, uh, you're going to lead your child to God. And, uh, or you'll lead them away. But, and for those of you whose child hasn't come to Christ yet, uh, just oh, don't uh, get upset. Jesus has got everything in control. I'm telling you right now, if you have spoken into their life, that fruit is going to remain. That word is not going to return void. That son, that daughter is coming to Christ. It's just a matter of time. So, there is a, a sin in the land, transgression in the land. The kings are evil. Now, there's always the exception, I know, but uh, there were a couple of kings that were uh, evil in Israel that reigned there for many, many years, and God has a purpose and a plan. He uh, turns everything around for good to draw people back to him. In verse 5, it says this, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Those who seek the Lord understand all. To know God is the only sure way to know how to behave decently as human beings. Folks, right now the enemy is run, uh, wrecking havoc on people's lives in America. They uh, that the America as a whole is away from God. They don't want anything to do with God. They blaspheme God. But it is under the sway of darkness. And so we can't get mad at them because we were there at one time. So we pray for them. And that's what this uh, 714 series is all about. And this fast, fasting and prayer, it is you and I rising up, being the church, speaking the life over people, praying against darkness, invading the kingdom of darkness, and snatching out souls out of the darkness. Amen? So, with God, with God, all these things will be and can be accomplished. Now, the subject matter changes in uh, this chapter, and it goes to the subject of wealth, the subject of wealth. I was glad Pastor Ben mentioned those financial classes. Um, finances is a, just an interesting subject. Uh, God's Word says so much about finances, and it's a part of our lives. Um, many people, their marriage doesn't endure. One of the main reasons is because of finances and the pressure that builds up in a relationship, uh, dealing 
with finances. One overspends. Uh, the other one gets angry, or both of them overspend. Uh, debt mounts up, and they collapse, or their marriage collapses under the weight of it. Don't let that happen to you. The subject of wealth, the risk and dangers of wealth are the dominant message in chapter 28, not its blessings and advantages. Now, I'm going to read that again. Wealth, the risk and dangers of wealth are the dominant message, not its blessings and advantages, not its blessings and its advantages. Wealth, I know if I were to ask in this place, how many of you would like to be wealthy? Sure you would. It's okay. You, some of you are like, should I raise my hand? I don't know whether I should or not. Uh, I told you before about that time we had a guy come speak on finances, and he, he got up here and he said, how many of you would like to have a million dollars? I'm sitting on the platform. I'm not about to raise my hand. I'm like, this is a trick question. And uh, that looks greedy to raise my hand. And, uh, and then when hardly anybody raised their hand, I guess they were following my cue, uh, then he said, what, do you mean to tell me you wouldn't like to have a million dollars so you could give 100,000 to missions and, and you could give to others and you can be, a, and I'm like, yes, yes, Lord, give me a million dollars. While you're at it, give me two. I'll give even more away. But if you're going to hoard it for yourself, that's a different story. Wealth can be a blessing not only to you, but it should be a blessing to others. Wealth should be something that flows through our lives, not sticks to our lives. Not is, we're not the focus of wealth. Uh, blessing others is the focus of wealth. So Solomon knows this, and so he teaches the future leaders of Israel about the dangers of, of wealth and handling it incorrectly and looking at it in a way that they shouldn't look at it. No incentive is given in this chapter to acquire wealth. Only warnings about its pitfalls. Now, this is a slippery slope because I would very much, as, as your pastor, I would very much like for every one of you in this building to have more than enough. And the reason you have more than enough is so you can give some of that away. So you can bless missionaries that come through. So you can be a blessing to someone in need. Uh, so you can give. Like already this church in the last six months has been phenomenal. I'm amazed. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I would say shocked, but I don't want to use that word. But to have given now, I, Pastor Ben, I haven't got the latest numbers, but somewhere around $540,000 uh, outside of this church to help people and to bless people and pay utilities and help with their rent. We couldn't do it all, or it had been several million dollars probably of the request, but we could help. And so, yes, things have, have cut back. We have far exceeded our original goal of 100,000 to uh, bless people and help people, but people are still in need. And it's a time that even though, you know, Disney's laying off 28,000 people and other businesses are still shuttering their doors, uh, 
People don't know what they're going to do. This is not a time to think that wealth is the answer. It is a time to think God is the answer and the only answer that we're ever going to experience. He's the only one. We don't seek wealth. We seek God. And God is the one that has the mighty hand that is able to sustain us. Now, so there is no incentive to inquire, acquire wealth. There is an incentive to not misuse wealth, to focus and, on wealth as something that is uh, not for us only. Yes, we, we enjoy what we have, but it's not the focus. On the other hand, the teachers affirm the joy of wealth and the opportunities that afford it, afford it but uh, they cautioned against greed and dishonesty. See, something can happen when somebody starts getting wealthy, then it's like it never enough. Something captivates them, and instead of walking away, it's never enough. And so they go for more and more and more and more. And if they're not careful, they risk it all and even lose it all. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 8, it says, one who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. All right. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion. All right. Usury and extortion are banned in God's law. What is extortion? Let me give you the definition. I don't have it highlighted, but let me give it to you. It says, obtaining benefit or money through coercion implies blackmail uh, or protection or shakedown. Years ago, we went to Bulgaria to help build a Bible college in Bulgaria. Um, it was a God thing, and um, I just happened to get a newsletter one day, and it was a picture in Sofia, Bulgaria, where we had bought a Bible college this young missionary had, and it looked like a bombed-out building. And when I saw it, he was declaring, we're going to build a Bible college, and we're going to raise up students, and I see this picture, and I'm like, dear God, have mercy. This kid has got a lot of work to do. So God used that picture to really touch my heart, and uh, we said, okay, we're going to help them. So we sent money. <laughs> we went over there. Uh, finally, he got this building up looking very nice, thank God. But uh, when I was there, there was a sticker on the car, and he started telling us about the sticker. It was a mafia sticker. Um, and the reason it was there is because if you don't have that sticker, much, much different sticker than the one I had uh, back in college, but if you didn't have that sticker, your car would probably be stolen. So you went to Bulgaria that time in history and a few years back ago, you bought this mafia sticker you put on there. Even, and if that car was stolen, all you had to do was let the mafia know. You know, the Assembly of God guy calls up the mafia in Bulgaria and says, hey, my car was stolen. We get it back. And so they'd go get that car back. So 
you had to do what you had to do. Uh, and missionaries have had to do things that they didn't really want to do to, uh, to survive in cases like that. So it was extortion. Of course, we're going to get money out of you, and if we don't, you're going to lose your speed the light youth car. So it was a shakedown of sorts, but it seemed to work at least at that time. Extortion is wrong, of course. Usury, usury, charging someone excessively high interest. Usually, when a person's going through a hard time, now this is something that just grates on me. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, credit cards, you know, some of them would be 24%. I don't think they have that anymore. But people trying to survive, get a credit card in the mail, you qualify for this 24% interest credit card. Here you go. And uh, so I was trying to help people, and, and I said, if you got to have one, I found a credit card company out of Arkansas, and it was a low interest. And when I inquired about it, they said, well, we have usury laws. And I'm like, what? They said, yes, we have a usury law in the state of Arkansas, so credit card companies can't charge very much. And so I was fascinated because then I got to looking into it and realized this was a biblical principle that those dear, wonderful southern people in Arkansas decided they were going to implement into law and not allow anybody to take advantage of people that were basically poor and needed some extra help. But uh, So they were trying to help out by passing this usury law. It never made sense to me. Even some time ago, another church, we were trying to help them. Um, and they were, this one was across town, uh, on the other side of town, West Orlando. We were trying to help them. And we found out that if you have good credit, you get a lower interest. But if your credit is barely, you know, good, you know, instead of giving them even a lower interest to help them out, what do they do? The risk is higher, they get a higher interest. The last person that needs a higher interest is the one that's struggling. And whether it's a church or an individual, but that's the way it works. The risk factor causes them to do so. But uh, you and I, uh, we don't, uh, as we look at this, the Bible said, don't, don't take advantage of people. Don't shake them down. He's talking to leaders. He's saying, be kind to those who are struggling, going through a difficult place in their life. Don't take advantage of them. Proverbs chapter 28, 11, the rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor has understanding who has understanding, searches him out. Understanding, as well as integrity, is a value to be treasured beyond material wealth. Let's go ahead and move on. Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. This whole principle out of Proverbs 28 is found again in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 6, or is it 2 Timothy? But again there it says, don't seek after riches. You'll fall into a trap and, and divers temptations. So here we are. Don't seek after 
the blessing. Seek after God and be blessed to be a blessing, all right? Well, recently, and I'll, I'll even give his name. He's, his name is well known here in the Orlando area. Um, I'm, he might, he wouldn't mind. Uh, he's a public figure. But uh, David Moss Toyota, everybody's, you don't hear that name much anymore, but about five years ago, David Moss Toyota, everywhere. Um, they were the number one Toyota dealership in the city. And then I found out the history of this guy because our niece, Alice's sister's daughter, married his son. And she worked there, and, and he pursued her, and, and he got a good deal. So anyway, um, uh, got my niece, and I like him too. He's a really neat, good Christian guy. Been led to the Lord. And um, so, what am I saying? Where am I at? Okay. But David, his father, wasn't serving God, but he was, he was working on a golf course, caddying on a golf course. And a car owner or a car dealer um, got him interested in being a part of, of the car business. And so he literally took his caddy and uh, introduced him to the car business, and, and then he went from that to ended up being a part owner. Then he ended up being a part owner in Toyota. It was just a series of incredible events, but uh, now he, he sold that part out. Now they're on the West Coast, and, and they've got several dealerships over there. And this weekend, we spent some time with her sister and brother-in-law, and and they were telling us what was going on and said that David, his focus, even though his assets and his net worth is substantial, his focus in the car business is not this. His focus that he repeats over and over and over again is people, serving people, helping people. And, of course, they're going to make money along the way, but that's not the focus. The focus is to help people. And, folks, when it comes down to it, that's what it's really all about is helping people and being a blessing. This church, and God forbid anybody, is, if you're sitting here, don't you ever let this come out of your mouth, that this church is all about money. And don't ever say, that is the most absurd, ridiculous thing. I mean, do you think we'd, we would literally share 500 and something thousand dollars with people that are in need if it was all about money? Dear Lord, have mercy. It's not all about money. It's about people. It's about helping people and bringing them to Christ. It's ridiculous for anybody to say that about any church. Now, Publix is, you know, well, Publix is a Christian organization, but other stores, they're about money, uh, and they know they have to serve, but they're about money. And uh, they don't always train their people right. I, um, I went through uh, um, a drive-through while we were gone, I think it was, and there was a lady out there in the drive-through area, and she had a big card. And uh, she was letting you look at this card, and it had the menu on it. So she held it up, and she had her mask on, which is fine, you know. But um, 
I, I, she was shaking it, and I reached over and touched the bottom of it to steady it. And she said, sir, don't touch the card. <laughs> you need training. You need serious training. Um, I wanted to help her. I wanted to say, young lady, um, let me share something with you. It's called customer service. Um, when I drive away from you, take your little infection, you know, disinfectant and wipe that little smudge of my godly fingerprint off of your card. But you should not talk to people like that. You're only like 20 years old. You don't know anything yet. And so anyway... Uh, but uh, dear Lord, have mercy. We treat people kindly, and that's, that's what this church is about. If I ever, and I oh, thank God I hardly ever, if ever, hear anybody, well, maybe a time or two, uh, hear of someone mis, you know, misspeaking to someone or saying something unkind, I about come unglued. I just, if anybody's going to get upset, let it be me, all right? But I don't want, no, I'm... Uh, I don't want anybody in this service. We're here to serve. We are servants of all. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. And that means serving, helping, doing things, you know. Um, the other day, or a week or so ago it was, I guess now, uh, I w walked up a certain way coming to prayer, and I saw a piece of paper or something lying there. Wasn't, wasn't supposed to be there. I didn't pick it up. I wasn't in the mood that day. And, uh, and apparently nobody else was either. Right? So anyway, and the next day, and the next day, and finally, I'm like, this day I'm in the mood. All right, looks like nobody else is going to get it. I'm going to get it. I gave him a chance. Now I'm going to get it. Uh, I didn't mention it to him. Now I'm mentioning it. Everybody. All right, so anyway, um, I am not above picking up paper. I am not above doing anything around here. We are, you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be the servant of all, right? Yeah, that's Jesus. That's the way of Christ. It's about people, and serving is about people. So, anyway, it's not about money. This church isn't about money. It's about people. It's about reaching the lost. It's about seeing people's lives change. I should have brought it. It's on my phone somewhere, but I... I don't know if I could quickly find it, but I got an email from a mother after that youth fall renewal, and she emailed me and said, Pastor, I just want to tell you what happened this weekend in my son's life. God just revolutionized his life. He's been battling depression. He came home a different person. I am so thankful. I am rejoicing. I am... You know, that takes effort on somebody's part. That takes prayer on leaders' part. See, I mean, we do a lot of things around here. Maybe we do almost too much, but it's because we want to touch people. We want to minister to people. If you meet a student or you meet uh, someone 20 to 30 in their early, early 30s, um, Get them, invite them to that youth's or voice.
conference. Invite them. Uh, encourage them. You, will ne you never know what can happen as a result of that one encounter with God. And so that's what we want to see. This church is full of miracles where we were all lost and God reached out and he maybe used somebody else and most of the time does. Either their prayers or their words reached out, drew us out by the love and expressions of kindness and the word of God, drew us out of darkness. And here we are, a changed individual. And not only are we changed, we are impacting generations to come if the Lord tarries. So I'm excited about, you know, just the fact that all of us can be used of God now, but our influence just continues on and on and on through even the lives of others that, and through some people's lives you may never even know about. It's about people, and that's why Christ came. It's about people. He came to give his life. The ultimate sacrifice so that people that were in desperate need could come to his love and forgiveness and find eternal hope. I um, had my cousin who pastors up in Ocala. He was the youth pastor at this church before me when it was about, oh, 70 people. And um, he... Um, didn't stay long. It was about a year, and then he left. And so they called me to be the youth pastor. But he, he shared this video of this famous basketball player, who, and I love basketball, um, where he went to this prison, and he went there. He's a believer. He went there to share Christ, to be an example, to reach out to these guys. And they were fascinated with him being there because he's such a ball handler and player and shot. And, um, but those guys were just so getting into it. And I was laughing. He was drilling all, you know, dribbling all around them and making them, you know, look silly. He was so good. And I was laughing about that. But then at the end, they were thanking him for coming. And one of them said, you know, I've been in here 27 years Another one's like, I've been in here about 15, or I've got two life sentences. And they said, you know, sometimes you lose hope in here. But today, you have not only brought joy, you have brought hope. And it wasn't just the basketball. It was the fact that he was a believer too. But I just, I could have just broke out crying. Well, I'll just tell you, I kind of did. And so, uh, why seeing men incarcerated for so many years behind bars with no hope and just somebody doing some little something like this brought them hope. How easy it is to bring people with no hope, hope. Because we are the hope in Jesus Christ. So God bless you. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are the hope, the hope that keeps us going, the hope that rearranges our footsteps. God, you're the hope that we can bring to others who have no hope. So, Lord God Almighty, I pray tonight, maybe, Lord, 
good portion of us have had too much attention on ourselves today. What we lack or don't have or need. God, I pray that you would just help us to realize that though we may not have everything that we desire or even need, we have hope. And that's something most of this world does not have. I pray, God, that you would touch any and every person in this building that does not know you as Savior, and I pray, God, they would turn to you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, Lord, right now, by your Holy Spirit, move across this place. Touch every heart. Move upon every person whose heart has been hardened or their minds have been blinded. God, soften the heart. Open the eyes. Clear the darkness away from the mind, and may they clearly see their need of you. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. So I ask, there's probably people in this building tonight that you're a good person as far as good is concerned. You just don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And that's your great need at this moment. That is the need of your life, your need of Christ. And so I want to challenge you right now, if you're sitting here and don't have that assurance, don't know for sure, you need forgiveness in your life, I want you to just lift your hand high. Do it right now. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. God bless you. Others. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you and you and you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Jesus. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is moving upon your heart. Anybody else? Lift your hand high. Do it now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's power in your name. Power to transform the life of a man or a woman forever. Power, oh Lord God, to bring them out of darkness into your glorious light. And we give you praise for that. Holy Spirit of God, move upon these that have lifted their hands and for others that may not have, God. Open, open their eyes, God. Stand with us, please, everyone. Everyone standing with us, please. Father God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Two things tonight. Number one, if you raised your hand a moment ago, you needed Christ. Pastor John's going to lead us in a chorus, and when he does, I want to challenge you. Listen, this is the critical moment. You lifted your hand because the Holy Spirit moved on your heart. So now's the critical moment of response, to move beyond that, to humble yourself before God. And yes, that may mean humbling yourself before others, which is an incredible, wonderful experience to do. So wherever you are in this building, you need Christ. I want you, as soon as he starts to lead this course, slip into that aisle, make your way to this altar, and let's pray before you leave this building. And then 
For those of you that are believers and you're going through a hard time, listen, this chapter may have dealt with wealth and the pitfalls that it would provide for some if they fell into them, but the need is for sure. You need God's provision, and God wants to open doors and give you miracles and in your finances, and so you've got to be a sower. Don't forget that part. You sow, you reap, but there's times when God is so merciful, he pours out because he loves you just because he loves you. So you need a financial miracle in your life, you come too. But those of you that raise your hand, as soon as he starts to lead us, slip into that aisle, make your way to this altar. Let's pray together before you leave this building, please. Jesus. Jesus, my God. Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God. If you raise your hand, let me challenge you. Move to that aisle. From over here, come. From back here, why don't you come? Don't wait. Don't put it off. Let's just come and pray. Get right with God. Father, in Jesus' name, my Lord and my God, have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Jesus, Jesus, my God and my Lord. Yes, Lord God Almighty. Yes, Lord God Almighty. Yes, Lord Yes, 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 God. Yes, yes, God. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Move on every heart in this place, oh Lord God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My Lord and my God. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Slip your hand in this direction, if you would, please. And pray with Pastor John as he leaves. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord God, speaking wisdom over us, God. And thank you, Lord God, for drawing us close to you even now as these that have come to these altars are seeking you, Lord God, and that are reaching out to you over our broadcast are seeking you, God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're ministering to them right where they are, Father. I thank you, Lord, that those that are reaching out to you for salvation and deliverance, that are they're finding it, Lord God, in you. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that those that are reaching out for a miracle, Lord God, even in the area of finances or in their body and health, Lord God, in their families, Lord God, I thank you that you're ministering to every area of need, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It's you who we depend on. It's you who we trust in. We don't lean on our understanding or on our thoughts of how the situations are looking, God, but we trust you in all of our ways, God. And we thank you, Lord, that even as we leave this place tonight, that you're directing our path, that you're helping us, Lord God, to walk in a victorious way, God, as we face the rest of this week. We honor you and thank you for it. And we pray in Jesus' name you'll be glorified even as we go. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Uh, if you're joining us online tonight and you want somebody to pray with you, why don't you call the number that's coming up on your screen? We have a staff that's here to pray with you and your families. If you're in the sanctuary tonight and you would like for someone to uh, take communion, you can feel free to come down. Pastor Wayne is here to serve you. Also, our altars are remaining open for you as well. God bless you, and we hope to see you again very soon.